Father, we are uh, grateful for your love for us, uh, for the day that you've given us. As um, I already stated earlier, that you woke us up and you gave us life and you gave us breath today. And uh, you allowed us the ability to put our feet on the floor and to move here. There are so many other places that people could choose to be. Uh, but we're grateful and we come hungry and eager to hear your word. So I pray that you will use me and Dan later on today to teach us, uh, to grow us, to unite this body, and um, to give us a understanding of your plans and purposes in our life that we might glorify you. In Christ's precious name, amen. amen. So we've been looking um, at Colossians 1, uh, a great um, passage in here that... Uh, uh, I've always been intrigued about it. talks a lot about the state of the unbeliever uh, and contrasts that to the state of the believer. So um, we've been using 9 through 17 as our primary text. Uh, so again, we'll read that. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Um, and so uh, we talked about the idea, we started kind of in the middle of the passage, that um, we, were, we were delivered or rescued from enemy territory, and that that was the work of God. Uh, so really no one has the ability to kind of post a, 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 or a boast about their own working a lot of people think that there are so many people who are just kind of on the fence, that they're, they're right there on the fence and they can either fall into darkness or fall into Christianity. Um, but this passage tells us we were captured deep behind enemy lines and we were rooted in that lifestyle. And it was God who rescued us, uh, the God um, of all creation, the one who came to earth in the form of Christ, uh, the one who bought our forgiveness and has done the rescuing. And so because of that, we've been translated into this different place. Um, we now have a new reality that we have the ability to live in, and, uh, and that's the important thing that we need to understand. And as we started looking at the potential um, of the life that we have, we looked last week, um, pray was pray, uh, Paul was praying uh, worship in his worship, he was remembering these saints and lifting them up that the uh, uh, pastor of these dear saints in Colossae would continue to understand their spiritual position and that it is a new way and a, a different kind of life. And so uh, for those of us who believe, we need to kind of examine that and see are we living in the newness of life that we have from this rescued translated place 
or are we still resembling the old life of captivity? And uh, that, to me, is kind of what the passage is about. So we're going to continue looking at that. And uh, um, I just have a couple uh, points it might look like, but again, as I said, it is uh, kind of deep. The first one is, um, so we're, we're on verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, is what we're looking at today. So the walking worthy of the Lord um, is an interesting thing there. The word uh, for walking is peripateo, and there's two uh, primary uses of that word. Um, that Paul uses in, in his scripture here. So when you look at the New Testament, there's two primary uh, uses of that word. And I was kind of talking uh, to Don earlier because I really don't know how to reconcile that. To me, they're, they're very distinct. You get The first use of it is in the Gospels and Acts, and it's consistent. And it has to do with the physical movement from one place uh, uh, to another, I guess is that what that should have been, or another. From uh, So it has to do with physical moving. So we'll look at that just to understand. This is how it's used consistently, and this is not an exhaustive uh, uh, list of where those words are. It's representative of um, in, the, in the Gospels and in the book of Acts how that's used. So in Luke 7... Um, We'll pick it up in verse 18 uh, for context, uh, but our word is there in 22. And it says, And the disciples of John showed him of all these things, and John calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or should we look for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of, and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, and that's the use of our word, uh, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to, uh, to the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he, whoever shall not be offended in me. And so here he's talking about, uh, in the miracle that he gave, lame people, those who once could not, under their own power, be mobile from one place to another, now have the ability to be mobile. Okay. Uh, we also see in John, we'll look in uh, 136. Pick it up in verse 35. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. So again, here Jesus is doing a physical activity. He's walking by, um, and uh, he's moving from one place to another. Um, John 5.11 Uh, verse 10, for context, The Jews therefore said unto him uh, that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. So again, here you have a lame person who has been healed, and he says, Go forth. Take your mat. Go home. Um, you are now healed. 
and he's moving from one place uh, to another. And then in Acts 3 8, Uh, this is uh, Peter and John healing a lame man again, um, and uh, uh, you know if we know the story, well, we'll just pick it up from verse one. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they had la- whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle Uh, bones received strength and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. So again you have a lame person who now has the ability to uh, be mobile and and, uh, transport himself. So I don't think um, uh, that's consistent as I said through uh, the Gospels and the book of Acts in the interpretation of the word peripateo. But I don't think uh, what Paul is writing here is is that as we strut about, um, every movement we make is worthy of the Lord. You know, I mean, we give Him glory, we give Him honor that we have the ability uh, for life and breath. But when He says, "Walk, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord," I don't think He's saying that that you might always have the ability to be mobile, right? Um, it just doesn't to me that that doesn't seem. Right, and so we're going to look today, what is he really talking about, this walk worthy uh, of the Lord, this use of the word peripateo in here. So uh, what we see then is a consistent uh, uh, definition that can come across or translating. Uh, when you look at the epistles, uh, which are the instructions to the church, we see it in the Pauline epistles, we see it in the Johannine epistles, we see Peter writing about it, and um, to appease Courtney, I've separated Hebrews rather than putting it in the writing of Paul. So we'll just we'll just throw that we'll just throw that in there. Um, but among these three writers who wrote the epistles, the instruction to the church uh, for us today, the the life of grace that we live, there seems to be a consistent um, uh, definition. And so we've got a lot of scriptures uh, that we can look in here. Um, we'll start with Paul, since this is a Pauline epistle. You want to stay consistent with um, the book itself and then uh, the writings of the same person. Do they use a word uh, in a particular way? And uh, we'll see that Paul does. We'll go back to Galatians 5, uh, 16. And um, one of the things is that this was one of the first books, one of the first epistles uh, that Paul wrote, the epistle to the Galatians. It was one of the earliest recorded uh, books of Scripture, um, dated, and it came right after uh, the uh, the council at uh, Jerusalem that we read about in Acts chapter 15. So, uh, in response, or maybe even before the decision, 
Paul began to pen some things, and he wrote a letter uh, to the Galatians. And uh, within that letter, it says uh, this in uh, Galatians 5.16. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall no way, no wise, no possible means ever fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he's talking about walk. He's talking. He's not talking about moving in the spirit versus moving in your body. He's talking about uh, some other kind of characteristic, and uh, particularly when it has to do uh, that this book was written um, coming out of, or or just the night before, maybe this council in Jerusalem, that uh, they were just trying to talk about spiritual living and having the spirit guide principles in people's lives and to not be offensive as the gospel was reaching both Jew and Gentile. So how do you merge these cultures in such a way that your life can demonstrate the richness of God in you? And so he writes this, and he particularly makes a distinction that there is now, for believers, a fleshly part of our life and a renewed spiritual part of our life. And they are two unique and distinct things that the believer has the ability to live by. And as we're examining in the Christian life on a Sunday morning, uh, we're looking now at the works of the flesh. And whenever we can identify in this category of works of the flesh, it means there is no possible way we're being led by the Spirit. And so um, this idea of walking is not physically moving from one place to another, but it has a different connotation. And we're going to see that this uh, connotation becomes a little bit clearer uh, as we go along. Maybe it's clear already, and we're just going to look up a bunch of scriptures to take up time, but hopefully uh, <laughs> it's more of a point than that. And we'll see um, that there is this, this uh, recharacterization of life in the Spirit is kind of the way I'm putting it. Maybe I should have put a definition in there. Uh, Ephesians 2, we'll pick it up in verse uh, 1, because our word is in uh, Ephesians 2.2. 2. It says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, two different things, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So he's not, again, we saw that we used to be in captivity in this darkness. So in a way, maybe you can say you moved about, you moved around in darkness, you moved around according to the course of this world. Um, but it also means uh, something a little bit different. Not only did we move around in that place of darkness, not only did we accept uh, those things that were contrary to God, and, and we lived them. And so I think the connotation there is living. And so this idea of living or representing or conducting yourself is going to come a little bit more to the forefront. Uh, continuing on, and we'll just read uh, for the whole context, because um, we go to um, verse 10, where we see it again. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, or some would say, but God... <laughs> Uh, to put some emphasis in there. And whenever you see that, something different has happened. Tony Evans does that a lot, I think. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were 
make sure that was on. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together uh, with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here he's continuing on with it, uh, that idea that we've been translated. We've been taken from this area that we conducted our lives in, and we are now seated, seated at the right hand uh, of the Father and of Christ together uh, with him in the heavens. And so the characteristic of our life should look a little bit differently. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that faith is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So again, all power to God for being translated out of that place of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so God has determined beforehand certain things that would be beneficial to the kingdom for us to do. And he saw that your unique gift that you could bring would be beneficial for him. And so he purposed in advance things for you to do that we should characterize our life in such a way that we seek to do those things that would be well-pleasing to the Father um, for His glory. He saved you out of that area of darkness that you might uh, glorify Him. And, um, and so that, you know, that's just kind of uh, an interesting concept. That then He gives us the freedom that we may or may not do those things that He chose for us to do. Um, uh, and so that's the characteristic uh, of the life we have. Paul um, also writes in uh, Ephesians 4, 1 and, and uh, 17, uses the same idea of uh, uh, the characteristic of our life. So uh, Ephesians, uh-oh. yeah. Um, Uh, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy, using the same kind of concept, walking worthy, of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And uh, so our word there, peripateo, is uh, is used to characterize something that the things that you do um, uh, might be valuable and worthy. So, you know, when you choose a, 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 a calling, so to speak, when you choose a vocation, uh, is what that's called, the the job you do, uh, that somehow it can also use your characteristics to glorify the Lord. So uh, he was doing that. Um, He says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And uh, so he's just calling them that they might be able to characterize their life or find meaning in the things that they're doing um, rather than moving from one place to another. Now, maybe some people read that and they think that they're supposed to move jobs all the time. It's a wrong interpretation. Uh, But you walk worthy uh, of that vocation. And then in uh, uh, verse 17, um, talking about uh, building the church up in unity before that, that the gifts of the church are given that everyone may mature. And he says, This I say, therefore, and testifying the Lord, 
that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So here he's saying, again, don't characterize your life in that old pattern of living as the Gentiles once lived. Don't characterize your life just in your own thinking and the futility of your mind, but because of the body of Christ, you can go back and see that um, uh, in in 4.12, that all the gifts of the church, all the things that are happening, are for the perfecting of the saints, or adjusting of the saints, we've heard, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, they, we may grow up uh, unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ." And so he's contrasting that um, the purpose of the church is to perfect the saints, to grow them up, that they may characterize their life differently um, than the Gentiles did. And so uh, Paul is certainly talking about that. So when he says walk worthy, it means that our lives have the potential to live in uh, a different state of being. And then we'll just go back, um, continue on again. Paul, because he was the writer, we'll use a few more of his references in uh, 2 Corinthians. um, That this characteristic talk that he's coming out, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, means that it's really um, conducting uh, your life in such a way. So um, we'll pick this up here that in... uh, We'll pick it up from verse 1 for context. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon which, uh, upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up by life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of his spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And so again, he's not talking, you know, the idea that uh, you know your house well enough and when you have to get up in the middle of the night and and use the bathroom that you don't turn on lights and you walk by faith because you know where things were. And if something happened and somebody misplaced something, you'll trip and fall but you know you believe your path to the bathroom is clear because you don't want to turn on a light and wake up he's not talking about that movement by believing those things to be true he's talking about that we characterize our life that 
as we continue on in this life, embodied in this mortal flesh, that we do so knowing that eventually we will be uh, forever with him in eternity because that is the promise of faith, that we have a place that is not of this earthly tabernacle. And then in uh, 10.2, verse 1, now I, Paul, my, now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am, am bold toward you, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, uh, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So again, he's not talking about in this body the movement that they do, he's saying that while embodied in this body, our characteristic of life is a little bit different. So he wanted to say we didn't walk uh, according to the, to the flesh. We hope that you saw something a little bit different in us than just pursuing uh, fleshly gains while we were among you, uh, the Corinthian church. So Paul was pretty clear in his writing. Again, this is not an exhaustive use of uh, his word, uh, his use of the word parapeteo, but it was consistent. Um, he's not talking about mobility. He's talking about a characterization or a character of life. Uh, we also see that jo- John uh, did the same thing in his three epistles. In each one of them, it really does have to do with this um, idea of uh, a, a way of living, uh, a conduct. And so we'll look at John's uh, writings and examples here too. First uh, John 1. I'm going to read this uh, from the beginning to 1. I just am uh, always taken by uh, John's uh, writing of this, the the way that he put down that he he got you know he got to see things that not everybody got to see and you could tell that that impacted him when the glory of God was peeled back and uh, his humanity was peeled back and and heaven was revealed to him that which was from a beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have gazed upon and our hands have handled of the word of life so you know he was like this wasn't just a passing glance. We were there. We were with him. We saw him, not only in the flesh, but I saw his full glory and everything of who he was. For the life, this quality of life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie 
and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so again, he's not saying when you have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, flip on the light so that you can see. He's talking about are you characterizing your life in this old pattern of living as the Gentiles lived, walking in darkness, or are you now walking in a new quality of life that comes by abiding in Christ in the Spirit? And so uh, we have that opportunity, and we say that if we have fellowship with Him and and continue to do those deeds of darkness, uh, there's some sort of deception going on there because we have every ability to walk in a way that can keep fellowship with one another and the unity of the Spirit of Christ in the body. In uh, chapter 2, verse 6, Um, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Uh, so, again, he's not talking follow the footsteps of Jesus, uh, walking in that way, moving from one place to another, but it's characterizing your life. And one of the things that we see when it says maybe uh, live like Jesus is to see the quality of life that he lived. Uh, why? So that we can have the joy that is in Him. Um, and that w- that is what makes uh, us complete, is the joy uh, that can come from Christ in us. And uh, we'll read down to 11, because that's uh, our next passage. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which, is, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkest, darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. And, uh, and so if we're out of fellowship with other believers, if we're not able to demonstrate that kind of agape love that comes from the Spirit, uh, we're probably characterizing our life by the flesh, as Paul wrote in Galatians. And, um, and the unity of the brotherhood, the ones uh, that we ha- are supposed to have fellowship with, uh, does not occur. And so it's just pointing out that there is a characterization of the life that we can live in light uh, or in darkness. Um, To John, so John continues it in all three of his epistles, uh, this characterization of of there being a quality of life, uh, a manner of life that we can live in. So to John 1... Uh, 4 or 2 John 4 Uh, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father so again they're characterizing their life in the truth um, uh, that is life in them and now I beseech thee lady not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee but that which ye had from the beginning 
that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that, as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. So he's not saying all the commandments. He's saying the commandment to love one another. Um, that's, the, uh, that's the characterization of a life living by the Spirit with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And then in 3 John uh, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And so again, characterizing uh, your life in some kind of manner of truth. So Paul and John both are consistent. Uh, we'll look at the Hebrews text um, because that's the order that I have it there on the paper. So we'll go there. Hebrews 13, 9. Um, authorship in dispute by some. So in deference to he who is here, we'll keep that as a separate category. Be not carried about uh, with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them. Am I in the right place? Yeah. Uh, be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied uh, therein. And so. Um, All right. Oh, by the ones walking is what they had. So the, um, I was like, okay, that. Um, the the more literal translation translation at the end there is um, uh, uh, to be um, which have not profited, uh, which were not the ones walking. The ones walking were not profited. So it uses the word there in um, the occupied therein. So an entirely different translation in the text. But it's talking about, um, uh, but that when your heart is established with grace, your life is, is occupied in that place, characterized. Um, and he uses the word peripateo there. So it's a, it's a very different um, kind of, uh, use altogether, but it, it really establishes the point that your life is established and rooted uh, in a place um, of grace, you know, that, that you're characterized uh, by the grace there. And then we see in uh, Peter, uh, 1 Peter 5 8, consistent among um, all uh, the epistles, uh, this idea of characterizing your life. So, um, Peter writes, let's see, we'll pick it up in verse 1 uh, for context. First Peter uh, 2, 1, wait, not 2, five. 5, all right. No wonder I was looking for context. All right. Um, and he's talking to elders here. Uh, yeah, I guess that's good context too, 5, 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, uh, but of a ready mind. 
neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples, examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So here he's uh, talking to the elders. Uh, uh, Peter's writing to the elders of the churches and saying, um, conduct yourselves and oversee the church in such a way that by the example of your life, people may see Christ in you, is, uh, is kind of what he's saying. Don't, uh, don't tell them, oh, you have to be doing this, you have to be doing that, this is the way you live. And uh, certainly says something in there about the reason that they do it uh, is because um, God has called them to do it. And so they do that to set an example. Uh, likewise, uh, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking, that, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So here, uh, the roaring lion, the adversary, Satan, is not, you know, well, he may be in someone else um, walking about in, and in a context next to us, but it's really talking about that the adversary is characterizing a life that is ready to pounce on you. And, um, and uh, so we should, we should be vigilant uh, we should characterize our life in such a way that we're on the ready for some kind of attack and that we don't, uh, uh, that we don't fear. We were um, at uh, uh, Kevin's last week for um, a deacon candidacy meeting, and uh, she has a whole uh, arch of balloons. And uh, <laughs> one of them popped while we were there, gave us a loud pop, and everybody was uh, really kind of startled. I don't think I moved quite as much. Maybe I'm just slow and, and dull of hearing. But uh, um, it's that idea that, you know, that's the kind of thing is that uh, when something startles, and that's what the roar of a lion is, so when something happens that can grip us in some kind of fear, uh, we may be taken uh, by surprise. But if we're characterizing our life in such a way that we're living by the glory of God, that when that roar comes, when Satan, who is there ready to pounce on us, uh, tries to do something, our life is characterized in such a way that we don't uh, succumb to it. We don't give in to fear. We don't react uh, accordingly. We're trusting and abiding in our position in Christ that we've characterized our life in that way. So I see that as kind of a consistent use that what um, all these writers are talking about is that as the body of Christ, as the church, we are supposed to live our life and conduct our life in such way. We have the ability, right? We have the ability, and so that gives us the opportunity. So going back to Colossians, where we started, so Paul is praying for these saints in, in Colossae, and he's saying that now that you have been rescued, now that you have been translated, and you have the opportunity, he's praying that they might be um, verse 9, filled with the knowledge of his will and wisdom and spiritual understanding and that they might characterize their life worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. 
And, uh, and so that's one of the things, is that because we have this new life and this new position and this new opportunity, the things that we do with our life should be uh, pleasing to God. There should be a desire for pleasing. You know, that should be a natural desire that because of God rescuing us and taking us out of somewhere, I want to do something good for Him, right? Um, a lot of times with little kids, they desire to be pleasing to their parents. There's a sin nature in them, and they do certain things. But um, for the most part, I think, you know, there's, there's a sense that uh, when they're really young, they desire to be pleasing to their parents. As they get older, um, you know, then maybe there's less of a desire to be pleasing to their parents, and they're trying to stretch out their boundaries a little bit. Um, that's why one guy you always used to tell me, little kids, little problems. Big kids, big problems. Uh, and so you get that sense of uh, things get a little bit worse. But when there is a desiring for pleasing, and as believers, if we have that desire, then there should be a striving uh, to please. So we see that in Galatians 1.10. And this has to do with the pleasure to God. Uh, Galatians 1.10. And here um, uh, Paul is just talking about who's, who's he here to please. Um, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And so he's kind of saying that the things he did, does is not to, bring, you know, not to bring pleasure to people, uh, not to be pleasing to them, but his whole desire and purpose is to be pleasing to God. And uh, that becomes as a sign of maturity that we have that opportunity. And then also in 1 Thessalonians 2.4, um, there's this uh, desire for pleasing. Uh, we'll pick it up from verse 1. Uh, this is going to... Be about our last reference. For, for yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before, and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Uh, for neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, and God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. And so uh, they were writing to the Thessalonians and said, look, we did this because our sole purpose is to be pleasing unto God. The sign of their maturity and calling uh, helped them to realize that. And so the sign of your maturity in calling um, is that uh, because we remember who delivered us, Colossians 1.13, we have the ability now to live a life that can be pleasing to God if we characterize our life in a way that is worthy of the life that we have in Him. Questions? All right, then. 
Well, Father, we uh, are thankful again for this day and for your word, which is truth, um, for the ability to walk in a newness of life, to characterize ourselves in a manner that is pleasing to you. Um, We don't always do it, but as we abide in the Spirit, we know that we can overcome the flesh and live according to our new nature uh, as sons in the kingdom of light uh, versus the old nature of shame in uh, and we pray that we will be empowered to do these things by your grace. In Christ's precious name, amen.